Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network in association with Mother She Wrote Media. I'm your host, Kimberly Johnson in D.C. Today, my returning guest is Democratic candidate Marcus Flowers. He's running against Marjorie Taylor Greene. We have a lot to talk about. Now, I want to remind everybody I am going on vacation for two weeks after this podcast. I will be checking in. Maybe I'll do a patrons-only show, but I will be doing a few little posts here and there just to say hi and remind you that I still exist. Okay, now before I get into it with Marcus Flowers, the Start Me Up podcast is independent, supported by listeners, and it's woman-run. A great big thank you to everybody who supports the show. If you enjoy today's podcast, visit patreon.com slash startmeup. Check out all the tiers. I do include a tier with a much shorter intro and no ads. You can hear the free shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show just for patrons where I talk about anything that comes to mind. It's a little more personal, kind of like my online diary. Visit patreon.com slash startmeup. And don't forget, you can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Now, please enjoy my comment conversation with Marcus Flowers. Welcome back to the show, Marcus. Well, thank you for having me again, Kimberly. And congratulations on winning the primary. Now you're going to be up against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh, how, how do you feel about that? I feel good about, uh, I feel great about the primary, actually. Uh, it was very reassuring to get that feedback yeah. uh, from the community, you know, with 75% of the vote. That's uh, that lets me know that Wow. We're on message here and people are fired up. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. So Um, okay. So before we get into the the, the bulk of this, uh, could you just tell us again how you've served this country? What in what capacity? Well, I've served the country as a soldier, a former defense contractor, also did some contracting with the Department of State as well. And I was a government official for the Department of Defense for several years. Um, you know, at, what I tell people is at 18 years old, I swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution. And that's literally what I've been doing wow. for the last 28 years. I mean, and that included things like peacekeeping missions in the Balkans, hmm. you know, Kosovo, Macedonia, Bosnia, wow. uh, humanitarian efforts in Sudan, where we, you know, helped on several projects there, uh, and I spent a decade in war zones in Iraq and Afghanistan. You know, so that's wow. pretty much, you know, just to put it simply and put yeah. a fine point on it. Service to the country has literally been my entire life. So, well, thank you. I think you know, I speak for many when I say thank you for that because that's pretty major and now thank you for being a sane voice running against um one of the most i don't want to call her insane because i mean i want i might do that on twitter but i don't i'm not a doctor i don't know exactly what's going on in her brain but i do know that she's very dangerous and she seems to be quite deranged so i'm grateful that you're there to do that now you kind of touched on the energy in georgia but one of my questions was uh you know what's the energy like right now in georgia and then what are you hearing from voters well you know uh, again i just did an event yesterday uh where senator warnock showed up and the energy was you know, it was great. It mm-hmm. was off the charts, really. I wow. Mean, literally every, everything I said, people were, you know, engaging mm-hmm. uh, as I was giving a speech and as he was giving his speech as well. So y- y- you can tell that people are fired up mm-hmm. here right now. And as far as, you know, what I'm hearing 
from Georgians and I'm just gonna say the voters, mm-hmm. but you know, we get out and we talk to people all the time and you know, that really varies from, you know, person to person, mm-hmm. from town to town, from, you know, the urban areas in our district to the more rural parts of our district. But, you know, the, the, the top line issues that I hear about right now, and, and you know, of course, SCOTUS is, mm-hmm. you know, because of, you know, recent events in the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. SCOTUS is a big thing that I keep hearing uh, at the top of the line and, you know, just to try and round out that list i hear about fuel costs mm-hmm. uh, that's next inflation mm-hmm. uh health care uh medicare rural health care and the issues that we face here in rural northwest georgia with, with health care also hear about housing a lot that's one of the top issues that we're facing mm-hmm. right now uh in our communities here uh drugs coming into our community crime uh homelessness uh, these are these are some of the top line issues that mm-hmm. you know I sit down and have conversations with the people about here in Northwest Georgia. What do you say to people who, um, when they're talking about, I mean, these gas prices that are temporarily high um, and inflation? How how do you respond to them? Some of those conversations are geared toward, you know, letting people know what the real issues are when it comes to our fuel costs. We talk about what's going on in Ukraine Mm -hmm. with this war that Putin waged on them, which is really hurting energy costs. We talk about supply chain, uh, things of that nature, being a guy with a background in logistics. You know, this is kind of my wheelhouse. Uh, Hmm. Sorry about that. Uh, It's kind of a wheelhouse. And we, we talk about those things and we talk about how this war with Ukraine, that unjustified war with Ukraine that Putin decided to, uh, uh, I guess, embark on his adventurism, uh, trying to expand his, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I have really (laughs) no idea what that guy's up to there. Uh, If he thought he he was going to stop NATO, uh, he's sorely mistaken because that's spectacularly backfired on him. He got exactly the opposite. But how that affects inflation uh, right and so wow. those are those are the, some of the conversations we have surrounding that now one like the way that i kind of i'm not a candidate or i'm not trying to like persuade voters in any way but my take on this is the people who i mean i get it i understand whether it's inflation whether it's temporary because it is temporary we had gas prices tripled under george bush George W. Bush. We don't hear about that all the time from the news media. We don't hear about that for sure from Republicans um, in leadership. But, you know, I, I, under, like, I understand that it's difficult for a family who's struggling to have to pay even more in gas prices. But my take on this is, well, okay, you can complain about gas prices that are temporary in a democracy or you can do it in a fascist country <laughs> when, when no one yeah. is going to care and, you know, you, you won't influence anybody. I mean, do, do you ever come up, do you ever get that blunt with voters and just say, we literally have two choices here? Do people even respond well to the idea that we could be an autocracy? Do they even understand that? You know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm not really one for pulling a whole lot of punches mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to 
you know, just getting down to what the heart of the issue is. Mm-hmm. And I tell people, look, democracy is on the ballot this mm-hmm. time. Yeah. Yeah. It's first and foremost. All of these other things that are issues that we need to be working together on. Yeah, that's we can sit down and we can have those conversations. We could talk about, you know, what we need to do to get fuel costs lowered, what we need to do to help out in our communities. But at the end of the day, if we don't have a functioning democracy, mm-hmm. none of those things matter. Yeah. Because you know, that's the end all to be all. Right, right. now, Ukrainians are on the front line of fighting for a democracy uh, against Russian aggression or Putin's aggression. Mm-hmm. I, I hesitate to say Russian yeah. aggression because it's not necessarily the people right. of Russia. It's Putin himself mm-hmm. and his adventurism uh, and his beef that he wants to you know, pick with NATO. Uh, but that's hurting us all. Yeah. yeah Inflation is. is a global issue. Yeah. High fuel costs right now or a global issue, mm-hmm. you know, these major uh, oil producing, uh, not just countries, but uh, manufacturers and, 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 and uh, oil companies who are, you know, profiting greatly right now because of price gouging. These are things that we can address and work on. But the top line issue is democracy and keeping it together. Do you and think we can work on all of those other things? Do you see that voters are understanding that? Yeah, the people people are getting it. Uh, it, it doesn't change how they're feeling when they go to mm-hmm. the pump or when they go to the grocery store, but they're listening to me. Okay, and well, I'm listening good. to them. Yeah, you know, we're having that conversation. That's what. That's the important thing. That's what leaders do. You sit down and you have the conversation. And you speak with other leaders to try and figure out solutions to the problems. Uh, You know, there is no, I tell people, you know, no political party here in our country has a monopoly on the good idea theory. We've (laughs) got to sit down Mm -hmm. together and figure out solutions to the problems that we're facing right now as a nation. Wow. And that's so true. Um, Okay. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit here, which I'll probably do several times. But we recently learned in the 1-6 hearings that Marjorie Taylor Greene asked for a pardon, which is an admission of guilt. So how does that play into her candidacy? And then how are you, like, are you planning to use that in your messaging? Where does it all fall? You know, Kimberly, that's, uh, that's, uh, you and I talked earlier Mm -hmm. about me swearing an oath to this, (laughs) or swearing an oath to the Constitution at 18 years old. Uh, (laughs) Marjorie Taylor Greene broke her oath <laughs> even even before she took it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and and three days later, she's asking for a pardon. <laughs> but here he, he, here's the thing: she was kicked off of all of her committee assignments because of her outrageous public statements. And some people will push back and say, "Oh, no, that was Democrats." No, mm-hmm. it was not just Democrats. Her own Republican <laughs> colleagues, you know, were a part of that decision. Because not just her outrageous comments, but because they feel that she's too radical and too dangerous Mm -hmm. to sit on uh, committees. But here's what it really breaks down to: she didn't have she didn't have a single district office here. Wow! Um, You know, and and that request for a pardon really that's just another 
there's just one more bullet or notch in her belt and a long list of uh, failures as an elected official, uh, an elected representative for the voters here in Georgia. You know, the people here of Georgia deserve a member of Congress that that they can reach out to if they need some help on anything. Mm-hmm. You know, someone who can uh, work with other members of Congress, as, as I've been saying, help bring about improvements to our district. Yeah. That's the job. And we don't have that right now. The Constitution says we are owed a representative in Congress. Mm-hmm. We don't have it. And my aim is to change that. Well, here's a hard question that I don't want to ask, but obviously you're facing gerrymandering and obviously you're in a red state. So how how are you going to overcome that? How I mean, and I don't know. I know like there's certain states and their gerrymandering makes it almost impossible no matter how many Democrats were to show up. And I, I would I, I don't even like saying that because I don't want to ever cause like, you know, someone to stay home because I think it's not worth it. I always think it's worth it. I think everybody should vote. But w- with what you're dealing with, what what has to happen for you to overcome that? We know, um, like I said, I mean, it's a red state, so you're up against that plus the gerrymandering. But you also, I think, have, um, because you're in Georgia, and we saw what happened in 2020, I think there's there's definitely some energy for uh, progressive attitudes, liberal and democratic attitudes. So could you kind of fill us in there? Because I'm worried. <laughs> well, I have to, I got to push back just a little bit. Okay. I don't think that we're necessarily a red state here in Georgia. Okay. And now when people talk about Georgia's 14th congressional district, uh, traditionally it's been represented by a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing. I get out and I talk to everyone. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I plan to represent everyone in Northwest Georgia, not just the ones who voted for me, not just Democrats, mm-hmm. but everyone. Therefore, I get out and I talk with everyone, you know, and that's, that goes back to the thing. We sit down and we have those conversations. Mm-hmm. It's about our community. You know, uh, yeah. people understand when I'm talking to them and I, I want to make this clear. When I'm out talking to people, I don't always know if I'm talking to a Democrat, independent, or Republican. Yeah. We're having the conversation. Now, here's something that people don't generally know about our district. It got bluer Hmm. with redistricting. Oh, interesting. We brought in parts of Metro Atlanta. Uh, But that's... And then we go back in that story. As soon as our district brought in parts of Metro Atlanta and Marjorie Taylor Greene realized that it got bluer. <laughs> Her first thing was to say, we don't want those people in our district. Of course. <laughs> I let them know that because I do want them in the district right. <laughs> and they're our neighbors. They're a part of our community. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter what the lines mm-hmm. suggest, we're all Georgians here. We're all Americans here. Mm-hmm. It's about what's going on on the ground here and working on the needs of our district, working on the needs here in Georgia. And I'm letting people know that, you know, I'll be their voice in Congress. Hmm. And they're extremely receptive to that. Extremely. Would you say, I know that 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, would you say that I know you, you don't always know the political affiliation of the person you're talking to, but are you getting pot? Do you like the people who you know that are usually vote Republican? Are they, you know, receiving that message favorably? You know, a lot of Republicans come up to me and say, I'm a Republican, but I'm voting for you. She yeah. is that unpopular. Yeah. Wow. In this district. Now, there are, I'd say, probably about a third of the voters here who will be with her just mm-hmm. because she's got an R by her name. Yeah. But that's not going to be enough to win oh, this next election. I want you to win so bad. <laughs> um, we can do it here. Yes. I'm extremely optimistic that we're going to win this election and we're going to unseat Marjorie Taylor Greene. Oh it's my not just gosh. me. It's the people of Northwest Georgia. Yeah. She is deeply unpopular here i can tell you that i just you know i want to bottle what you just said so many people and for good reason are completely stressed out and terrified and democrats need to you know whether you're a voter whether you're a leader we need to take on that attitude that you just offered up it like we are going to win take on like just a message to people listening we need a winning attitude you don't win everything. You, you're not always going to win. But if you don't have a winning attitude, you decrease your chances of winning. And I just love your attitude. It's really refreshing to hear it. And I'm so grateful. And that, like, you know, I know like listening to people like Beto O'Rourke and you and, and some of these other uh, candidates out there that are so positive, I'm so thankful for you because you know, all of us are kind of at the whim of what we see on the news or online. And listening to you right now is making me feel better so i'm just throwing that out there i can't speak for my listeners but uh that's how i feel <laughs> so well, well, thank no, you for that i mean thank you and, and i appreciate that but here, here's again i'm an optimist yeah and i'm on social media sometimes just like you are <laughs> and i hear those voices out there saying you know that and look these are this is a concerted effort mm-hmm People are out there saying uh, voting isn't the right answer. Right. And they're telling people that, uh, you know, people who are angry that, you know, your vote doesn't matter. Yeah. Or, you know, that's a concerted effort. That's Mm -hmm. to get people not to vote. Yes. You know, and and to a certain extent, I understand people's anger. Mm -hmm. You know, that, you know, we've worked hard. You know, we gave Democrats the house we gave Mm -hmm. him the senate we gave him the presidency yeah i I get it we've worked hard we got to work harder now yeah you know we have to organize our communities and that's what we're doing you know we have to volunteer our time to support candidates who you know want to be servant leaders yeah that's what i want to do i want to be a servant leader i mean uh, a lot of people think that you know my campaign has been you know all about an outsized social media presence Mm -hmm. or uh, fundraising, mm-hmm. you know, these people who, and I see them in our Twitter feed, you know, mm-hmm. telling people, oh, he's grifting or this right, and the yeah. other. They always say that. Yeah. They have, they have no idea what the real story about this campaign is, and that's our field operations. We have, uh, we have dozens of teams and members, and even more volunteers who are pouring in day after day after day, and they're going out and they're hitting the streets and knocking on doors. I mean, I'm meeting with local party leaders and talking to business owners and uh, sitting down with folks, you know, again, who may not be in my party at all. Uh, They may be independents. 
they may be Republicans and you know some of them definitely are Democrats mm-hmm. but we you know we have to channel the despair that people are feeling uh, that people in our district and throughout the country frankly are feeling and turn it into action you know this is this is what we have to do um, yeah and that, and that reminds me of something someone someone said to me the other day um, like I was talking about uh, Eisenhower you know he took major actions on civil rights because of the moment. Right. Um, You know, the moment called for because Mm -hmm. millions of black people were, you know, starting the civil rights movement and it was just too big to ignore. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to do right now. Yes. I am so with you. Yes. We, we have to get out and make sure that people can't ignore us. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got to work together. That's what changes, you know, the narrative and changes what's going on in the country when we show up. Yeah. And I'm going to just throw this out there since I've got the benefit of, you know, people who love you and are going to listen to the show because of you. I often on Twitter or on social media in general, I often talk about the importance of donating to candidates to phone banking for candidates and all that. And so now it's the season, right? We're getting all of the texts from the candidates and emails asking for money and what I'm seeing is and usually when I say okay this is what we have to do we have to donate to the candidates we like and we have to do you know I'm always met with a positive reaction but now that the candidates themselves are asking for money I'm seeing a lot of people online complaining and and I will say I I haven't seen anything from you obviously but I, I do not like the desperate sounding we're losing we're losing we're losing that gets on my nerves but I just have to say that regardless of whatever the message is from the text, from the email, we understand that part of our job as voters is to send money and to donate to campaigns. But now that people are asking for money, we're online bitching about it. And it's like, why are we complaining? I've got this uh, URL right here. It's Steny Hoyer, Majority Leader, House Democrats Delivered for the People in 2021. And it talks about all of the, the American Rescue Plan, Build Back Better, infrastructure, talks about the different indi- you know, individual laws that were signed um, by the House, which has a Democratic majority. And so right now we don't have a de- we do have a democratic majority in the Senate, but we know that at least two of the uh, Democratic senators are bought off by Republicans. They're obstructing Biden and the Democrats agenda. So we don't really we need a bigger majority. And if we get that bigger majority and we keep the one in the House, then or if we can even grow the one in the House, then we could pass all of these things. And I just want to throw that out there to the voters because it's like, you know, I, I get so angry. You're complaining that you have to donate. Why are you complaining when we're dealing with fascism? So my rant is over. I just had to say that. <laughs> no, and, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's, it takes money to run campaigns. Yes. It takes money to communicate. Uh, you know, that's my opponent, Marjorie Taylor Greene, even though we've raised a lot of money, we're still behind her. She's got yeah. a huge war chest. She's, she's got a, really a, yeah. a two-year head start on us. Wow. She's going to be out running attack ads. Yeah. We have to be able to respond to that. Right. That yeah. takes money. Uh, it takes money to get out and communicate to people here in the district. Yeah, we just have to have it. We have to have staff. We have to, it, you know, we're organizing here on the ground. That's really what our campaign's about. It's about our field operation. Yeah, it's about 
you know, getting out and meet, meeting the voters where they are mm-hmm. and reaching as many of those voters as possible, whether that's through digital ads, whether mm-hmm. it's through uh, cable TV, radio, what have you, yeah. or just getting out and knocking on doors. Yeah, and that's like that's that is so important. What that money is for? Yeah, that I mean, I think Stacey Abrams showed us how important that was. Specifically, Absolutely. yeah, specifically knocking on doors, talking to people. That's everything. I mean, yes, we we need good national messaging, but we what we really need is knocking on those doors. I knew this guy who was running. I think I think it was back in 2016. But regardless, he he thought he he was an unknown, and he thought he could just launch his whole campaign online. He never went out and shook anybody's hand. And, of course, oh he, he failed miserably because he just thought, oh, I could just do this online. That's not how it works. So while messaging is so incredibly important, there's nothing that's more important than what you're doing. So I just I want to say to you, because I can only imagine what you're hearing out there from some of those naysayers, naysayers. And also, yes, there is a coordinated campaign, we do know, trying to get people to stay home. But, you know, I so appreciate what you're doing, and, and I, I, I mean that sincerely. Um, I also want so to – Kimberly, th- oh, go ahead. Uh, just real quick, real quick if I can. Mm-hmm. Now, our campaign has knocked, you know, between myself, uh, my staff, and our volunteers, we've knocked probably 50,000 wow. uh, doors in the district, and probably about 4,500 of those I've knocked personally. Hmm. And you know what the biggest thing I hear at the doors – as soon as someone opens up and, you know, I tell them who I am, and mm-hmm. why I'm there. The first thing, well, not the first thing, but it's, yeah, it's probably the biggest thing that I hear is, you know, I've never had a politician come and knock on my door before. Wow. Like you're the first person I've seen do this. And, you know, some of the older people say that mm-hmm. they don't do this anymore. I used to see this a lot. Mm-hmm. Or I've never had a someone running for Congress knock at the, at the yeah. door. I hear it all the time. And they're so appreciative of that. Yeah. And then that's that's how the conversations usually start. And you know what? I think I think even if you are dealing with, with the exception of the hardcore, like brainwashed, hateful people, I think that you know, no matter what your political ideology is, I, I'll bet. I mean, it feels good because you know, I mean, if I had a Republican knock on my door, I'm not necessarily interested, but I would be at least willing to listen. Because it's like, you know how, it's like, I always say when you're, um, whether you're in the car or online, it makes it so much easier to get angry and say horrible things to people who get in your way. But like when you're at the grocery store and somebody walks in front of you with their shopping cart and almost hits you, usually the reaction is like, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. Friendly and nice in person. When you have that, you know, the car or behind the computer screen it's much easier to raise to rage out and to get angry at, at whatever it is that's making you angry, legitimate or not. But yeah, knocking on the door, I think it's just like that person-to-person interaction. Nothing, nothing is like that because I think people are more prone to be at least civil, you know, like and polite. Uh, no. they, they absolutely are. I mean, even when I knock on Republican doors, you know, there have been a I don't know, probably five or six times out of 4,500 doors that I've, I've probably knocked in this district, there's probably been about five or six people who said, oh, well, you're a Democrat. I don't really want to hear it. Right. That's it. And that's not even the worst thing that I hear. At the <laughs> I'm <doors>. sure. <laughs> you know, the worst thing that I hear at the doors, and this is, this is me personally, 
is when someone says, "Yeah, I don't do politics. Oh. I'm sorry." Yeah, that's the worst thing yeah. that I hear at the door. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, you may not do politics, but they do you. It'll do you <laughs> if you're not a part of it. Yes. So that's that's the worst thing I've ever heard at the door, and I've heard it a few times as well. Yeah, I can you imagine know, that. We're just disengaged. Yeah. You can't be disengaged from our democracy right now. No. Uh, so yeah, I'm just one of those optimistic people that you know. I feel like you know we're we're something's going on right now, Kimberly, uh, and I'm gonna call it. Uh, this is probably gonna sound cheesy, but <laughs> we're having a great we're having a great awakening right now. I hope so. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I watched a documentary not too long ago, and it was about consciousness. And one of the people on the documentary said, you know, it's not so much the power of positive thinking. It's it's the power of optimism. And it Absolutely. really occurred to me because I thought, you know what? You know, my, my, my cat had died uh, in 2020. And obviously, that was upsetting for me. And I was crying. And, and I thought about that. And I thought, well, it would be dumb for me to try to force a positive thought when I'm grieving for, for my animal that I love. It wouldn't make sense, and, and I would never do that. I could, I could be grieving and still be optimistic. And I just, I mean, yes, the positive thinking too, but I mean, there are times when we're just down. We don't always have to be positive, but it's, it's much more, I think, important and not just important, but I think being op optimistic, it's got an energy to it. And, and I'm really glad that you're saying that. I, first of all, for me, because I just need to hear it. And I, I do think that that's a possibility. I, I, I want to believe that. And I'm grateful that you said it because yeah. we so desperately need it right now. Now, this brings What's me... What's the alternative? What's exactly, the alternative? exactly. It's aut autocracy and fascism. No, thank you. No, thank you. No. <laughs> and that is we also global. That. So, yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask you how much influence you think these hearings are having in the midterms. Are you hearing anybody out in the, you know, out, any of the voters talking about what's happening in those hearings? You know, we have those conversations about the hearings. Uh, and I generally try to, I don't, I don't say steer away from, what's specifically coming out of the hearings. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 I want to talk about, I usually try to go and talk about what's the, uh, not losing focus on what's really important mm -hmm. here. Um, take, for example, you know, all of the testimony uh, Hutchinson gave, mm -hmm. you know, the big thing that everyone wanted to key in on was whether or not Trump tried to grab the steering wheel, a steering yeah. wheel and choke out a Secret Service right. agent. The hearings are going on. We're getting a full accounting of, you know, the the, the, the committee's uh, findings. Mm -hmm. What's important is what DOJ does. Yes. After that. So true. Um, that's that's where I try to to to, to take it. Gotcha. Yes, these hearings are important, but these are kind of things that we already knew. At least mm -hmm. I I knew. I mean, right. January sixth is what caused me to get into this. Yeah in the first place you know i was a government official who you know had about 10 more years to go to retire hmm. from public service and i was going to do something else mm -hmm. coach football coach soccer you know learn how to play golf you know, i was going to retire from mm -hmm. public life yeah but january 6th when i saw that we had gotten to that dark place that i'd been worried about yeah 
for years and I knew it was time to do something. And when I saw that my quote unquote representative, Marjorie Taylor Greene played a part in that, mm-hmm. I knew I had to do something to uns- unseat her. Wow. I knew I couldn't just sit back. So democracy is too important. Yeah. And of course, thank you. Um, I'm grateful for everybody who did, who's done that because I think there's a few candidates out there who were inspired by one six. And I'm, I'm grateful that you guys are stepping up. Um, I also want to know now, of course, we've got all these Supreme Court decisions and the, the I think the biggest and most shocking one, even though it may not be the most, I mean, the one that they did today with the EPA is really not good, but um, yeah. the, the decision about Roe. Now, my take on this was always, I did not, I of course want abortion to be legal um, and I want it to be easily accessible and affordable and all of that. But I also understood that regardless, the Republicans were going to get rid of it, whether it was a quiet kind of, they've been doing it for a long time. They've, they've been on this stealth mission where, you know, you have mm-hmm. places like Texas and they would have, let's say, 43 abortion clinics. And then I think it was in 2010 when it started, 2011 when it started, um, they were getting rid of all these clinics due to trap laws and things like those targeted uh, regulations against abortion providers mm-hmm. and, um, you know, just dumb rules that would that would make a clinic close. And so where there used to be 43, there's one or zero, which means women in the state of Texas who are pregnant, it's legal It w- uh, before they struck down Roe. It's legal to get an abortion, but it's it's not available. So I understood that if there was this quiet attempt to gut it, that the voters really wouldn't understand in the way that they do understand now. With it being struck down, it's a big slap across our face. So I'm wondering, um, what energy are you feeling specifically about Roe, and do you, and how much influence do you think that will have on the midterms? All right, just to to, to dig into your question a little bit, you mentioned a few things about you know how we got here. Yeah. yeah this is this is this attack's been going on for yes. a while. I mean, if you look at the Heritage Foundation and how long they've been. Uh, doing um in a pack mm-hmm. if you look at mitch mcconnell blocking merrick garland's mm-hmm. vote for confirmation uh if you look at him then rushing through amy coney barrett and everything that you know they did to get kavanaugh in as well mm-hmm. you know not really giving that a serious look when dr ford made a you know allegation that right. you know, probably should have got a lot more attention mm-hmm let me start with the bottom line up front. Elections have consequences. Okay. That's the bottom line. Yeah. Now, let me go back. So for, for the first time in history, probably, I'm not a historian, so don't <laughs> quote me on that, but I think uh, a key right's been taken away. Yeah. Now, let's just think about that for a second. The majority of Americans just have a right stripped from them. Yes. You, I mean, you're a woman, you're in the majority. Here's what we have to do. We've, we've got to codify that, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that's the only solution we have here. So we have to demand of uh, Congress um, 
you know, they have to work to enact laws that benefit all Americans. Mm -hmm. So in order to do that, I'll go back just a little bit. When I say democracy's on the ballot, Mm -hmm. that's number one. We got to hold the House Mm -hmm. and we got to grow the Senate in order to ensure our democracy. I tell people this all the time. 2022, if we don't hold the line, if we don't hold the House and hold the Senate, Mm -hmm. is a dry run for an authoritarian takeover. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Listen, I, I was I was proud to appear with Senator Warnock yesterday in Dalton, but we've got to give him some help in the Senate. Yeah. You know, we have to give him some more Democratic centers to work with. And that's for the good of our nation. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah, that's it's what we have to do. We've got to hold the line. Are you hearing people talk about abortion specifically? Yes. I mean, they're, they're talking about that specifically. And, and, and we're, we're early days after Rose been overturned. Mm-hmm. So it's, as I told right, you before, yeah. that's the top issue right now. SCOTUS and you know, we've got a, we've got a court that's, lurched far to the right yeah i mean it's an activist court yeah, yeah. that's that's what we have and right stolen now. seats uh, yeah and, it's stolen and, seats and, and that hurts the institution it's our institutions that are under attack right yeah. now so we've we've got to right the ship here and that's uh again for the good of the nation we have to do that we've got to hold the line we've got to grow the senate and we can do it. And just, just yeah. so everybody knows, Senate isn't gerrymandered. Neither are, are gubernatorial races. So um, that's something to keep in mind. I know that it's, you know, there are so many Democrats, even though there is an effort out there to kind of dampen the enthusiasm, I think Democrats generally have a tendency to kind of wallow and dwell sometimes and and you know and disengage and, and disengage and disengage yeah you and can't we, do it no we saw that in 2010 we saw that in 2014 it did not serve us so it's it's perfectly understandable for people to be upset to be frightened and all of that but beta o'rourke and this is the last thing i want to uh, bring up with you beta o'rourke told voters action is the antidote to despair and so mm-hmm. i you know i want you to kind of just Give us a little bit of a pep talk, a little bit more of a pep talk, because I see it, you know, it is online. It's not just that it's online, because like I said, in 2010 and in 2014, we especially in 2014, it was a 70 year low turnout. That's really bad. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year because I generally believe or I know that when people are afraid and when they're angry, they're more engaged when they're comfortable and they feel safe, they usually that they disengage. But we do have, you know, this faction that's trying to trash the Democrats and, uh, you know, they appear to be progressive or maybe they are progressive and they're just really pissed off and they are not, in my opinion, recognizing, well, the alternative is fascism and autocracy. So what is your, your positive message to voters? I mean, I don't think I can put a finer point on it than what Beto said. Yeah. yeah. Getting involved. You know, and and, yeah. and you got to get involved. You got to do something. You know, I told you, I've knocked 4,500 doors mm-hmm. myself. And then when you add in all of my uh, field staff and volunteers, that number's like 50,000 wow. doors here in this district. You know, we all have to work together. Uh, and 
we, we, well, we all have to work together to get those who are disengaged mm-hmm. to engage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, back in our democracy and ensure that, you know, our forces are heard. Yeah. Uh, but again, we talked about the, uh, a great awakening. I feel like that's happening right now. Uh, I feel like we're, when I'm talking with people, I feel like they're, they're ready to get engaged. We just got to get more people. We got to get everybody yeah. on board. You know, and, and, and part of this, yeah, it's because of these outrageous decisions coming from the Supreme Court and a lot of what people are hearing from the January 6th hearings. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I'm going to I'm going to call him the average American who's not engaged in politics or mm-hmm. what's going on in the media. You know, those who are seeing some of that, they can't ignore what's happening. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're this isn't a time where you can just look the other way yeah, and, you know, say, uh, you know, it's all baked in, you know, and I feel like those people that you're talking about who are, who are putting out all that misinformation and disinformation, mm-hmm. I feel like some of those are state actors, Yeah, but that is a coordinated effort yes. to get people to not engage and go to the polls. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, look, we, at the end of the day, we need everybody on board here. Uh, we need everybody to see the path that we're on and they have to take part in it. You know, if we do, if we can get people reengaged and we all join together, we win in November. Yes. And we do the things that we need to do to keep our democracy safe. Yeah. Why? Because that's what's Why? really on the ballot. Yes. And those it are really nice is. words. Definitely. I, I, I am so grateful that you're running against her. I think you have a really good shot at it. And, um, I mean, I just, I want you to win. I, I desperately want you to win. So um, before I let you We can you do go, it. Make yes, no mistake about it. We can win here. Don't listen to those naysayers who are going to say things yeah. like, oh, it's a red plus 28 district or whatever. I see that right. garbage. And that's not yeah. true because they don't know the people of Northwest Georgia. All politics are local. Yes. And that's what we talk about here. The issues on the ground. And that cuts across party lines. Yes. It they does. want a representative and they want effective and efficient governance. All right. Well, um, okay. So before I let you go, A, if there's anything when you, you want to add, and then also just tell everybody where to find you. Well, the big thing where you can find all the information that you need from our campaign is go to www.marcusforgeorgia.com all spelled out that's www.marcusforgeorgia.com there you can volunteer to help out with our campaign with phone banking if you're here in the district and feel like knocking doors let me tell you it's something great that we need help with we want to knock as many doors as we can here in the district and have the conversation with the people. And if you can't do any of that, you, we need donations as well. Yeah. Uh, it's what helps us. It's what helps us fuel this campaign. And come on, it's Mar- you're going up against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Surely you can give him $5. <laughs> Five, $10, whatever you can afford. Yeah. Or we more. Appreciate it. And, you know, growing up the way that I did, I can promise you, I understand the value yes. of a dollar. And we do not waste it here in this campaign. And yes, and just for everyone else, your um, Twitter handle is also Marcus for Georgia, but it's Marcus the number four, the number four, and yep. Georgia. So follow him on Twitter. Do phone banking. Do it. I mean, whether it's Marcus or, or you know wherever you live, 
do some phone banking, get involved, get engaged, and don't get pulled into this naysayer crap because we don't need to do that. And of course, I'm author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y on Twitter. My books are on Amazon. Marcus, thank you so much. And oh my God, all of my good mojo is going to you. (laughs) Kimberly, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure talking. All right. Yours is a refreshing voice, and it's one that we need in this conversation right now. Well, thank Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, we will, you know, see. I just hope everything goes well for you. I I can't say that enough. All right. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Bye-bye.